Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. I want my land. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Good morning, this is Annie for Showreel. Our look at Australian film. And uh, today, which is part of uh, the week of International Women's Day, I know it's that was on Tuesday, but today's Thursday, but we can celebrate it the whole week long, I reckon. And uh, today we're going to focus on a film called The Will to Fly. It's a sports film, an Australian sports film, and it focuses on Australian uh, female uh, freestyle aerial skier, Lydia Lasilla, who uh, Lassila, who uh, won the gold medal in for Australia in that uh, particular sport, uh, but it goes further than that. This film, it's uh, a, quite an extraordinary uh, piece of work. Anyway, um, I'll let the uh, directors of the film, the co-directors Katie Bender and Leo Baker, tell you more about it uh, after a little bit of a lead-in. I remember just telling myself that you can be this person that you want to be. I love the challenge that I bring upon myself. When I was a little girl, my dream was to go to the Olympics. As a young girl, she was always wanting to hang out with the boys. She was always training as a kid, before school, after school. She started off as a gymnast, wanted to go to the Olympic Games in 2000. But things conspired against her, and she became a freestyle aerialist. I had never seen an athlete move along this quickly. It was evident right from the start, Liz was on a mission. She's like, I'm making it to the Olympics this year. Very, very beginning, you knew she was going to be good. Look out well, skiing from the Aussie chicks. Yeah! I had my hands full. <laughs> Lydia wanted to compete and win as much as I did. One of the things that she needs to do if she wants to win the Olympics is step it up. Trying to do tricks that nobody else is doing. Lydia is dominating the field this year. This is the jump for Australia. Lydia Lassola. Uh, tell me a little bit about how this project, The Will to Fly, came about. Well, I've known Lydia since I was about 13 years old. Um, she actually 
uh, put a medal around my neck at a gymnastics competition when I was a gymnast and, and she had just won the national championships and she's about four years to my senior and she that day sort of became a bit of a role model to me and um, a couple of years later we actually ended up training together in gymnastics and then when she went to aerial skiing it sort of planted a seed in me to then sort of follow in the same footsteps and so I went on to the Australian aerial team as well and um, I didn't obviously go as far as Lydia. Um, in fact, my generation really struggled because at the time, um, the people dominating were Elisa Camplin and Jackie Cooper and Lydia Lassler and there was one other girl. So it was it was really hard to kind of um, get to the top. So I, I ventured off and studied film and, and um, worked in film in America. And then in 2012, um, when Lydia returned to the sport as a defending Olympic champion, um, she had returned back to the sport as a mum. And I went to visit her in Utah as she was training. And she started telling me about this trick that she wanted to do at the 2014 Olympic Games. And at the time, I had been fussing out wanting to produce sports films. And I thought understanding the complexity of her backstory and knowing that, um, you know, this trick is, um, you know, one of the hardest acrobatic tricks in the world and a trick that only the men had done before now, I thought this could be an amazing story, you know, about a woman against all the odds as a mother. And I asked for her story rights and that's when the will to fly began. You say you, you wanted to make sports films. Now, this is the thing that I found very interesting about this particular film. Um, I wasn't... Uh, I haven't actually spoken to anybody who's made a sports film before. What what were the things that you think you needed to be able to do to make a sports film for the general public? Sure. Well, obviously, I studied film and digital media, and then I was working in movie trailers at the time in Los Angeles. The movie trailer industry is actually pretty crazy because that, that industry in Australia doesn't really exist just because of... Um, you know, the climate of film in Australia and not many films being made, but because there's so many films being made in America, there's a lot of trailer companies and and it was a very fast-paced lifestyle for me and I didn't have time to exercise and it made me miss sport. And that's when I realised that I really wanted to bring my two passions together, which is sport and production. And, um, you know, my options in America was potentially working for someone like ESPN who were based in Connecticut but I was having visa issues at the time my visa was running out so I was going to be moving back to Australia and that's when you know when I came across Lydia's story I thought okay this is my ticket in to do a sports film and it is one of the first feature-length sports films from Australia. It is the first on female achievements, which I'm so excited about because it's a very topical time for women in sport. And I think a film like this is going to be a great voice to support, you know, the amazing achievements of some of our female Olympians. When you say that you were working in uh, trailers, does that mean you were actually hands-on doing the actual editing, getting the images, that sort of stuff? Or what were you doing, actually doing? Um, I was a I was a junior producer. So actually, originally, I wanted to be a trailer editor. Um, but the position I fell in was more coordinating, which then developed into um, junior producing. And I was working my way up to producing. So I was coordinating a lot of production and very fast paced and very, very high end production as well. So when we get to uh, The Will to Fly, uh, who wrote the script? How did you do it? Um, Because that's one of the things that's so impressive about this film 
And for people who aren't particularly interested in sports per se, this film has got much more in, in it. This, I was so impressed with the way you dovetailed the amount of family stories. I mean, it wasn't just one person's achievement. Quite clearly, everybody was involved in making this happen. Absolutely. Well, we wanted to structure the film for a mainstream audience and we did a lot of development. Leo, my partner here who's sitting with me, who made the film with me, you know, we he, he's a writer and we worked really hard together. Obviously, I had um, being in the sport with Lydia and knowing her family and her friends and all the close people to the network, you know, I really conveyed to Leo, um, you know, the detailing of the story and, and Leo did do a lot of script work. Uh, Leo, do you want to talk about that process? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I guess when I first became aware of the project, I was perhaps like the rest of the general public that was aware of um, some of the amazing sporting highlights of, um, of Lydia Lassila. Um, I'd sort of seen her horrific um, crash in the 2006 Olympics when she um, ruptured her ACL, um, which was a kind of the media had quite a feeding frenzy on that sort of amazing visceral experience of her having that horrible injury. So I was very much aware that there was there was a, a range of kind of sporting highlights. But I mean, this is not. We didn't want to make this film just tailing towards a niche sporting enthusiast community. We wanted to make it as broad-reaching as possible and really tell her story, her whole story, um, to to a mainstream audience. And so. Um, we actually went about constructing, I guess, the thing is with documentary is you don't have, um, you know, it's not like a fictional script where you can kind of, you can actually prescribe everything that's going to happen with the story because when we began production, um, a lot of the events hadn't happened yet. All we really could do was work to a, a kind of like a blueprint plan where we did a lot of research into Lydia's background, her rivals, her history, what has driven her to be the person that she is today and, and what has driven her the pursuits that she's um, in search of and um, then we kind of continued as, and stuck to that blueprint as best we could throughout production but we had to kind of keep our options open in case, you know, real live events that we were documenting at the time in case things changed and so that would actually affect how our story unfolded but we were incredibly lucky that Lydia being Lydia and as tenacious as she is, she stuck to her um, plans all along and her dream was to do this amazing jump at the 2014 Olympic Games and, and make history and stay true to herself and what she had always set out to do and pursuing her dreams. And that made us construct the, the story that we have today, which is, you know, fantastic for us. And we certainly we certainly had, um, for Leo and I, we did risk sort of, uh, shooting this because for the two years of documenting her as a mum going towards this, you know, difficult um, pursuit, you know, what if motherhood had gone in the way and, and she couldn't train or, or what if she hurt herself and what if, you know, that trick wasn't going to happen, that would have really affected the story. So I think when when she finally sort of did conquer it without, you know, spoiling too much here, um, we were like, thank God, because if she had it sort of played it safe and, you know, she could have won gold again and that could have been a different story again because no, no woman in freestyle skiing has won back-to-back -back gold. But if she had it played it safe and, and not landed, then, you know, it would have been an anticlimax to the story. So, you know, a lot was on the line. <laughs> so you, you did it. I was just going to say, the other thing is was really interesting is, you know, a lot of people think that these athletes are just, you know, superhuman 
yeah. in many ways in many ways they are but you know she she's a, a woman a person like anybody else and she has the the uh demands on her like anybody else she is a mom she's looking after um a young child throughout her whole olympic campaign and um you know it's that's a pretty involved task and it and she you know had to really put her her child and family first throughout her whole process and at the same time work towards these incredible olympic ambitions and and that's really that kind of um that dynamic uh, is something that we really wanted to explore in the film because that's a dynamic that that applies to anybody really Tune in to On Screen and find out more about what's on the big and the small screen each Saturday, 11am till 12 noon on 3CR. It's a program on film, on filmmakers and on film festivals. It's called On Screen, Mm, but it's on the radio, 3CR. You're on Showreel with Annie on 3CR, 855 on your AM dial. And uh, also we're streaming. We can uh, also be picked up on podcast. If you miss us this week, you can always pick us up online by going to the 3CR website and go to the podcast list, Showreel. And today we're focusing on The Will to Fly, which is a film that focuses on the freestyle aerial skier Lydia Lassler, who uh, won a goal for Australia in this particular uh, event and uh, also went on to uh, mind-blow everybody by uh, pursuing a uh, feat that uh, a female in this area has never done before. Now we'll continue with our chat with the directors, Katie Bender and Leo Baker. Well, of course, if you want to do something that well for such a length of time, it really impacts on what people would consider to be a normal life trajectory. So it's very impressive the way you've done that. I I really uh, take my hat off to you. It also does successfully tell the uninitiated how aerial skiing actually works. Now, as filmmakers, the shooting of those things and making it impressive and also getting the back footage of the previous events, how did you go about doing all those things? Oh, wow. Um, you know, to be honest, it, 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 it turns me off wanting to do another archive-heavy documentary because the the involvement of sourcing, you know, archives, it's a, it's a really long process. And I worked on it for probably about two years because first off, we have to research all the events, all the events that we want to include in the film. Then we need to request that footage and we need to find it. We need to then request it. We need to then look at the footage. And, and all of that takes um, it's, huge, it's a huge process and it also costs money just to request screeners first. So, you know, we would be paying money when we don't even know if we're going to use what we're about to see. And that was hard for us as, you know, sort of um, independent filmmakers who were struggling at the time. So it was a huge process and, and sporting archives are not cheap. They're incredibly expensive. So, um, and for Lydia, um, so much of this story is from the past you know, actually we're spanning 20 years back um, that we have a lot of 
past archives and it was an expensive task. And also during that time, you know, 20 years ago, it's not all high definition footage like it is today. There was a lot of various different video formats. I mean, we've affectionately called this film a bit of a fruit salad of video formats. There's just about you name it, it's in there. We've even got some VHS footage and old beta tapes and two-inch video reels and all sorts of things sourced from all different people. But, um, you know, it really helps kind of support the story and, and sort of colour the, the truth of, of what took place and what made um, Lydia the person that she is. Which actually leads us to the uh, editing because, as you said, it, you got a lot of stuff from a lot of different uh, quality uh, sources, um, but it does have a, a, a very um, a stable feeling throughout the whole film. So you, you succeeded very well. Uh, how did you go about the editing? Thank you. Um, well, we we first worked with um, a woman named Jane Usher. She was the editor behind that Sugar film, um, another really successful documentary that released last year. Jane um, did. We worked with her in the edit suite for around twenty five weeks, and she sort of you know laid out the foundation. I realised though, with a lot of the Olympic events in particular, we really treated those events like action cutting. We decided that we would um, call up one of my old colleagues from Trailer Park, where I'd worked um, in the movie trailer industry in Los Angeles, and fly a movie trailer editor out to Australia. We flew a woman named Alan Dimler out, who is a very talented trailer editor, and she really worked on the action scenes, which really brought the Olympics to life for us in the film. It does, too. And that too. was important, because we, we needed a change of pace um, with, with those Olympics, because they're so special. And her four main, you know, feats, um, all happen on the Olympic or over all four Olympic Games in this film and and you know they're really um, the highlighting moments. Tricks that nobody else is doing. Lydia is dominating the field this year. This is the jump for Australia. Lydia Lassola, a chance for Olympic gold. You got this, strong. It's all on the line for Lydia. She must land it. Yeah, it really re-energised certain sections of the film. I mean, when we when we first commenced, we were obviously trying to stick to our original blueprint, like I mentioned earlier, to try and kind of lay out the structure of the story. Um, and then one of the things that we did actually work to doing towards doing, which may sound odd, but we actually tried to use the the bare minimum amount of actual aerial skiing footage, which, um, and that wasn't just because the archives were expensive. Um, it was actually because we didn't want the audience to be become bored with looking at the exciting images if they see too much of it. Uh, and I know this all too well from when I was younger and very enthusiastically used to watch surfing films as just wave after wave after wave. And we also didn't want it to get sort of painted with the same brush as um, your typical ski film where you just watch, you know, people skiing down these pristine slopes one after another, we really wanted to make sure that like our narrative was the main backbone and then whatever footage that we saw was really supporting that and then you know had the right emotive qualities. Yeah, well, that's what uh, I was very impressed with because I, I think you actually succeeded really well. And uh, I've I realised that uh, the second half of that question earlier, how did you get the shots when she was practising yeah, leading up to the uh, Chinese uh, uh, Beijing? Yeah, so that's when she was training in Ruka in Finland. And yeah. um, 
We actually, that was in uh, late 2013. We flew over to Finland and um, we we filmed all of her training there on that training camp before the Olympics. We were really lucky because the Olympic Winter Institute um, had sort of granted us access to that pre-Olympic camp. And that was another thing, like she wasn't, there were other film crews wanting to film Lydia because there was a documentary being made on Lydia and another Chinese athlete from a Chinese production crew and they weren't allowed there. And so we were allowed in and um, Lydia allowed Leo and our sound guy, uh, Dan Cody, to to mic her up and, and jump um, with the mic. I remember when, um, you know, the boys wanted to do it and, and me knowing Lydia, I'm like, you know, I was thinking about myself jumping. I'm like, oh, there's no way she's going to allow this while she's jumping. And to my surprise, she was completely open to it. And we're so we're so grateful for that because it's such unique footage where we can hear her um, and her thoughts, um, you know, as she's talking to herself on the mountain. Um, it's a really unique insight into the mind of, um, you know, an athlete up there being an aerial skier. The thing is, the, the environment was so um, quite it was quite surreal where she was training because because it's so far north, um, it's extremely cold. I mean, when we were filming, it was like um, I think the coldest day was minus thirty degrees Celsius, uh, which um, that's just mind blowing, isn't it? Coming from yeah, Australia, that's just mind blowing. Just standing there, like trying to change lenses on the side of a snowy mountain, um, your fingers freeze in literally seconds. So um, it was it was challenging, but. Um, yeah, I mean, we we it was such a surreal landscape because it's so far north. There, there wasn't a lot of daylight, and so Lydia's actually in the film. She looks like she's training in the middle of the night, but it's actually only about three o'clock in the afternoon, and it's pitch black. Yeah. But it um it, it creates such a amazing kind of contrast, and it's sort of, it's really beautiful because it, as she's you know she's now embarking upon this new pursuit towards the next Olympic Games, and it's like she's training, and it's this sort of dark, ominous world that's quite foreboding you know sort of implying you know what she's up against as a mother and um and and new challenges so um it it really was some we were really thrilled with the footage that we captured there did you shoot it did you actually do you're the cinematographer yes yeah oh right so that's a fabulous connection to be both of you both your sets of skills as uh, is just (laughs) great for I presume you're going to be continuing down this path of making very interesting documentaries. We um, we can admit that we are absolutely exhausted, Leo and I. We um, we were the yin and yang of this production. We literally had to play twenty different hats together, and um, and really, you know, my weaknesses was his strengths, and and vice versa. And um, we've definitely gone through a lot. Oh, fantastic. Uh, I'm, like I said, uh, it's a very impressive film. You're going to have a big uh, opening on uh, International Women's Day on Tuesday. We have, a, yeah, we have a fabulous um, premiere set up at, at the Rivoli and um, Women's Health has got behind it as our media partner and, um, and it's great that we're launching on International Women's Day because, you know, our focus areas are really inspiring girls and women. So we thought that was a great day to launch. And um, we've got some great event sponsors. It's going to be a really good night. And um, then the film will be available on March 10 through independent cinemas and also uh, select cinemas in Hoyts as well. Well, there you go. And I bet, I bet you it will come out in other formats later on. Are you going to sell Sorry, it to? Are you going to sell it to uh, satellite? I'm sure you should be able to. 
We we haven't had those discussions yet. We're going to, um, you know, enter into them through um, hopefully a successful theatrical season in Australia. <laughs> Good. Uh, the other before you go, uh, how did you get the money, or did you just use your savings? Well, definitely in the beginning, there was a lot of um, personal money involved, but um, in the end, we've had some great supporters. We had investment from Film Victoria. KPMG, Rebel Sport, the Lord Mayor Charitable Foundation um, and some private investors. So we have got it over the line, but it has been um, a very chicken and egg process, very frustrating process at times for us. But, um, you know, at the moment um, we're focusing on still raising money towards our impact um, campaign, um, which is, you know, trying to raise awareness for women in sport through this film. And um, we're going to continue to do that through our site on the Documentary Australia Foundation page. So you, so you must have uh, feel quite vindicated going from working for an, a company in this kind of role to making your own stuff. You must feel a, a great sense of achievement. I think we're both uh, very proud of each other right now. You know, we've both sort of worked for film companies where we've had to work around the clock. Um, Leo did the same as an animator and did the same in visual effects and I did the same in post-production in Los Angeles. And it's definitely a tough role and, um, you know, it feels there's a great sense of accomplishment that we have created something from conception and now completed it. It feels really good and we hope to continue as well to do our own project. With a, with a pina colada before, before and a bit of beach time before <laughs> the next project. We, we haven't had a holiday in four years, so um, <laughs> maybe after a holiday. <laughs> maybe you'll shoot uh, surfers, not uh, skiers next time. <laughs> that would be really smart, Annie. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much for talking to me and good luck. Thank you so much, Annie. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Most acrobatic skill in the world, bigger than diving or gymnastics or cliff diving. Is stepping into this whole new dimension of risk. I just asked mummy crash. No crashing. I always had the ambition of jumping like the men. That's what I felt was my purpose and why I was doing the sport. My name is Sue Brooks and I am the director of Looking for Grace and you are listening to 3CR. Well, that's it for Showreel today. I hope you've enjoyed our chat with the directors of The Will to Fly, Katie Bender and Leo Baker, and uh, piqued your interest to go and see a sports film with a difference. It's uh, quite a fascinating journey into the life of a person who achieves uh, sporting greatness on such an individual and uh, personal level. Uh, It's going to be shown at the Palace Cinemas and also at uh, selected Hoyt Cinemas. So uh, just have a look in your newspapers and you'll be able to find uh, The Will to Fly. We'll go out with Love Like Honey, the Cambodian space project. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.